Hello, listeners. This is PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon, and this is the 1970. Um, on today's show, I am joined by PSG Talk contributor James Teague, who so? is filling in for our usual uh, host, our editor, Ed, who is out today. So, uh, James, how are we doing on this beautiful Sunday here? We're, we're doing good. You know, I've, uh, I've come to terms with... Uh, what happened um, Wednesday. And, um, you know, I think we got a lot to talk about because I, I don't know if you've seen what was going on in our discord, but I think there's well, maybe I, a I, lot of overreaction going on. Yeah. I, I try not to get into the, to the mud on that. On, on, I'll get in the mud on occasion with the discord, but it, it sometimes it's better to just sort of save your thoughts for the, for the main show and, and give people a reason to tune in. But um you would think that PSG lost that game like mm-hmm. four to two or three to one, you know, obviously a draw against the worst team in the group theoretically is not good. It's definitely not good, but it isn't a loss. And I think, yeah, there's overreaction. Some of it is warranted. That was a terrible performance, but I do think we do need to have a little bit of patience. We'll get into that. But um, first, since you're the guest on the show today, uh, let's get your opinion on what you thought of that performance. Um, I won't recap the game, but uh, Ander Herrera scored in the 16th minute. Bruga ties it uh, pretty soon after. And PSG sort of are on the defensive for most of the game start to figure it out by the end, but by the end, it was too late. Kylian Mbappe had gone out injured with a, I think a big toe injury. He got stepped on with a cleat. Seems like what happened there. And they just didn't really get it together in time to, to salvage the three points, but they get a draw and the next champions league match will be in about a week and a half against Manchester city. So James, what were your thoughts on last Wednesday's match? Well, um, I, I think we definitely played poorly. Um, you know, we are clearly the better squad on paper, um, but the game's not played on paper. So I, I think, so I tried to remove myself as the PSG fan. And um, so just a short side note, my, my manager is actually jumping on the bandwagon. He's trying to connect with uh, some of the Europeans um, that we work with now. And he was like, yeah, I need to I need to start watching a bit more football. So wherever Messi's playing, I'm jumping on the bandwagon. So I opened uh, I opened my arms and I said, you know, come join us. And uh, I tried to put myself in his shoes, not knowing anything about PSG or Brug. And. You would have just watching the squads, you would not have known that this was that PSG was supposed to be some kind of juggernaut. They, they didn't show the quality that we expect um, at all, really. I thought that Brug was, was the aggressor for the majority of the match. I think we were always off kilter. We were trying to just catch up. Um, and Herrera scoring was refreshing. That it For a second, it felt like, okay, well, if Andrew can score and we've got Messi, Neymar, and, and Mbappe up front. Like, it's just a matter of time before they start 
before they start um, putting them in the back of the net and maybe everybody will start getting one themselves, but they equalized pretty quickly. And from that point, I thought we were in trouble. Not necessarily that we were going to lose, but I thought that we were going to be in a dogfight, and, and we were. Um, so I, I was quite disappointed in what I saw overall. Um, I feel like our, our defensive prowess is still lacking. Um, and before, and since Ed's not here, I can go ahead and say I don't think it's Novice's fault that, that, one, that we let one in. I don't think we have to yeah, maybe Donnarumma should be in there, but I'm not gonna point at that and be like, see, look, we would have we would have kept a clean sheet had uh no, no, but, been in there. No, I don't think anybody was saving. I don't think anyone yeah, was saving that. I don't think so either. So, you know, I, I just want to go ahead and take that moment while uh while I'm replacing Ed. Uh, well, yeah, and I mean I'll say this besides the uh besides the lineup that they put out and the way they played, it went okay, actually, you know, besides, mm-hmm. besides everything going wrong, it wasn't actually that bad, but no, but look, I think there's a few things here. I think there's correctable tactical lineup things that PSG can do that are pretty easy fixes that can have them playing better than they did because that was pretty horrendous in, in a lot of ways and we'll, we'll get into it but I think there are things that are fixable here that I, I think you saw in the second half PSG make the adjustments to fix and it looked it didn't look great but it looked better and they looked more structurally sound in the second half where they weren't just giving up chance after chance I'm not sure Ruga really got a good opportunity in that second half to score. And I think PSG were able to sort of tilt the field again, back over to their advantage by the end. Some of that was Bruga being tired, but also some of that was some adjustments that they made. And then there are things that you, you can be concerned about. And I think you kind of want to have to separate those two a little bit. Um, we'll start with the correctable things. I think it's pretty obvious that PSG are going to have to play with some kind of back three. Now, whether that be a situation like they had in on Wednesday where Danilo was brought in to sort of play the center between Kimpembe and Marquinhos to get them wider so that you could get uh, eventually Nuno Mendes and Hakimi further up gives you a little more ability to press or if they just go with the three center back formation that we've sort of talked about for the last month or so, since they signed Sergio Ramos. So you play Kimpembe in the middle Ramos and Marquinhos, and then that gives your fullbacks an opportunity to get higher up the field. I don't think you can play a back four because your fullbacks the strength of your team is going to be the ability of your two fullbacks to get upfield and link the attack and to help you press. What it's not going to be are those players playing on their back heels defensively. Cause you saw it even on that first goal they gave up to Bruga where Hakimi was nowhere to be, nowhere to be seen. He was on the other side of the field. They turned the ball over at midfield and Hakimi's behind and he's just, there's no cover. And at that mm-hmm. point, your center backs have to fall all the way back. Your midfielders are chasing and that sort of 
that pullback ball, the, the two goals were fairly similar that were scored. They were both kind of on pullback kind of goals off the left side, which was kind of interesting. But you saw it there that the balance didn't work. And playing Wijnaldum and Paredes in your midfield didn't help either because let's be fair, the, the back line and the front line are pretty much set, you know, in a mm-hmm. big champions league match, it's going to be messy Neymar and Mbappe. They're not, none of those players are coming off uh, in the back end. It's going to be Hakimi, Nuno, Kimpembe, Marquinhos, Ramos, whatever version of that, whether it be a back four or a back five or back three, whatever they end up doing. And if Verratti ever gets healthy at some point in his career, he will be a permanent starter in that midfield. Mm-hmm. So the question really is, how, what midfield do you pick for what type of game you're playing? And I think Pochettino picked a midfield for a game where he thought he was going to get a majority of the possession, where he thought that Brugge were going to sit back, we're going to try to pick him off, we're going to try to make it an ugly game in the midfield and hit them, you know, hit them with those sort of longer counters. So when you have Paredes, who's good on the ball, when you have Wijnaldum, who can come up and press, and really what he's there to do, and people sort of, I think Wijnaldum gets a lot of flack, but he's really there to press the ball when PSG lose it in the other team's third. That's really why he's there. He's there to do what he did with, against, with, when he was with Liverpool, which is help in their press. BSG could really do no pressing in that game. So Wijnaldum was very much not useful in a game like that. I'm not sure Pochettino could have anticipated that, but maybe he should have if they'd watched some film or anticipated Brugge would be that good at winning the ball high up the field mm-hmm. like they were. So they got, tactically, they got it wrong and they had the wrong midfield in there because Paredes is just not a good defensive player. Like he's not, He's not Idrissa Gay. He's not under Herrera. He's not a player who can chase after the ball and can close down. He's a, he's a facilitator. He's Tiago Mata kind of player. And, you know, when Paredes loses the ball defensively and he has to recover, you, you see what kind of happens. He's just kind of slow footed. He'll make those kind of rash challenges and he'll get, um, and he'll get yellow cards, which is what he did in that game. The good thing is they fixed that, I think, in the second half. They played a little more defensively. They brought on Danilo. They put on Draxler, who's a little bit better on the ball. They had um, they brought Nuno in, and I think we'll talk about him, how good he looked and how what a difference he can make. And you, you felt like PSG at least got – by the end of that game, you felt like they at least had control of the game back. There were times where they would turn it over, but they still, you, you didn't feel as if they were getting dominated by the end. That to me is the fixable thing, but I'll let you, you kind of, you say what you want about that, but I, I'll, I'll talk to you about the thing that I thought was a little more concerning even than that. Well, no, I, I, I enjoyed kind of just listening to it. Cause I'm, I'm not a tactics guy i'm not a tactic neither am i to be honest well (laughs) but uh, my point is you're you're much more knowledgeable about how this should work than i am uh to date i'm still learning so i'm even learning a little bit here and i and i do agree with what you said um it that makes sense to me what is i guess a little concerning um to me and you kind of touched on a little bit but i i don't know how um prep works for football matches 
especially of this caliber. Because um, my first thought was, should you have been prepared for Bruger to come out and use the attacking ideas that they that they wanted here? Um, was it an assumption that you thought, well, we're big bad PSG with our front three and they're just going to have to sit back and kind of take it and hope to get out of here with a draw. Um, I'm not sure. Um, I don't, I don't know. So I can't really say he should have known or he shouldn't have known. Um, but I kind of hope to know that answer. But yeah. Going, I, yeah. Go ahead. No, but going forward, I think, um, I think you're right about, um, you know, we know those front three that that is the front three, no ifs, ands, or buts. If they are healthy, they're out there. Um, our wingbacks, we are very clear on how they should be playing and how Poch wants them to play. They want them to get up there, be in the attack, and track back when they can, um, which I think does lend itself to the back three because we can't we can't continue to go forward um, the way that we're we're doing this now. We let too many balls leak into the box. Um, on the counter, especially if teams want to want to actually run and get at us. So, bringing that down into the midfield, that is where I struggle with the most. Just as the fan trying to figure out, okay, who actually, who do I actually want out there? Um, so I have a little bit of this uh, leeway, I guess I give the pot just because I don't understand it. I don't know what. He wants to do oh, either. He's figuring it out too, because I don't think he 100 percent knows what he wants from that midfield either. Well, well, yeah, and you know, and everybody's got their own strengths in that midfield, right? I think yeah. Variety is probably our most complete midfielder. Um, and like you said, Paredes, as much as you want him to be defensive, he just doesn't give you that. Um, Gay is defensive, but you want him to be a little bit better on the ball. Sometimes he is. Sometimes he's pretty good. Other times he's just atrocious. So I, I think that is the hardest part of our roster right now to figure yeah. out. And unfortunately, he's got to figure it out pretty damn quickly. Yeah, that that's really the, the, the concern is going to be to get Marco Verratti as healthy as you can get him and try to, you know, they don't have to beat Manchester City to, you know, they have to beat them to, to get into the into the knockout stage but they probably need to take a point or two off of them here mm -hmm. and then win the other three games on your on your schedule which is very doable i mean i i i i wouldn't if i if it's us you know if we're worrying on a scale of one to ten i think we're at like a three and a half four right now so i'm not like it's not a panic but there's concern and i think the concern is that i think if you're and this is about sort of the philosophy of, of how, how styles work, how, how, you know, how your identity is as a team. And, and you I think Mauricio Pochettino wants PSG to play a certain way. I think he wants them to play aggressively. I think he wants them to play fast. I mean, I don't think he's pretty much said as much and the players basically say as much. They want to play aggressively. They want to play fast. They want to play one touch. They don't want to sit on the ball too much. They don't want to, play the way they were playing under Tomas Tuchel, which was slower, more deliberate, you know, shorter passes, you know, ball control, 
you know, take, you know, 70, 75% of the possession, but only get like two shots on goal the whole game. They want to play a more up-tempo, eye-pleasing style, and that's admirable. But in a game like that, you just – you could tell they didn't have it. Like, sometimes – and I think this uh, for, you know – I know you, you're around football, like American football a lot. And I, I use this uh, analogy that, you know, half the audience will get and half of them won't, but whatever. Um, when you're, when your style in American football is the no tempo, you know, the, the high tempo up tempo offense and, you know, that, that style is what you do and you try to score a lot of points and you try to keep the other team off on their heels, you know, snap the ball quickly, play spread, spread the ball out. And you're not completing passes and you're going three and out that style. It backfires on you because now you don't have the ball and you're giving the other team the ball and you're putting your defense back on the field to try to defend for longer than they should. So sometimes when you see a game sort of going in that direction where you just don't have it, whatever it is, you're just not, the passes aren't being completed. You're not in rhythm. You're not getting shots. Sometimes it's just better to slow the game down, sit on the ball a little bit. You know, if you have to play a long ball or two to just get the ball out of your own end, just get it out of your own end, regroup, play some defense, get the ball back, try to play some ball control. And that's where I got frustrated because it's like, especially to start that second half, they needed to just control the ball, force Brugge to chase you, go side to side, play those diagonal balls, left, right, right, left, and just try to unlock them slowly. But instead they were trying to quick pass. Like you'd see Danilo get the ball or Herrera get the ball or some, and they would try to make this quick pass, this one, two quick little pass, try to to unlock it. And it just wasn't working. Brugge was all over it. They weren't tiring. They weren't, they weren't out of position and they were giving the ball away and they kept having to play, you know, in their own end because they couldn't get control of the game. And that was more concerning to me because you can make the tactical adjustment, but if you can't sort of adjust in game and the players adjust in the game to how the game's going. And like in an American football game, if you're no huddle offense is working, you can go into the huddle once in a while and you can run the ball twice and you can take two minutes off the clock and you can sort of settle the game down a little mm-hmm. bit. They needed to settle that game down and they did it too late. And maybe if Mbappe stays on the field, maybe if he's, if he doesn't get hurt, maybe PSG are able to break that game open at some point. I'm probably guessing they may have, but that that's just not how it worked. So that would be my concern, especially, you know, against a team like Manchester city, where if they turn you over in your own third, they're going to score. Like you can't turn the ball over in your own third against them. You have to be able to keep possession. And if you're not going to keep possession and you're getting pressed and you can't get the ball out, sometimes just kicking it deep and regrouping is not the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to be flexible in that way. And I feel like in that game, PSG were 
trying to impose their will as opposed to playing a smart game to try to get three points. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess the, at the end of this, the moral story is sometimes you just have to give, or you have to take what the defense gives you. You can't, yeah. uh, you can't stick with the plan that's clearly not working for, um, I guess what, 65 minutes, 70 minutes. Um, yeah. and then, and then if your backup plan is in to slow it down and you've only got 20 minutes to go, um, it doesn't help you. Right. You know, now, now the, you, you're playing your opponent plus the clock. And, uh, when you get in those situations, it's, it's very hard to pull out a win. I mean, at least at the end of the day, you didn't lose. So yeah. I mean, you got something out of it. You, you didn't come away with zero. Otherwise, we might all be hitting the panic button if we would actually drop that game. But like you said, we, we've got five left. We got five games left. Yeah, they really. And, I, and I've said this a hundred times and I'll say it again if, in case anyone's a new listener to the to the show. Um, you really need 10 points to, to advance in a Champions League group stage. Basically, 10 will get you in. I, I don't think I've ever remember a time where a team got 10 points and didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Teams haven't made it with nine, but you definitely make it with 10. So that means PSG have a point, which means they got to win three of the next five games, which is absolutely doable. And if they can beat Manchester City in one of those games, then it's probably, yeah, you're probably locked in anyway. So this is not panic time yet. Let's see how the next couple of weeks go. We're recording this on Sunday uh, afternoon before PSG play OL. Um, It's not a great OL team compared to years past. So PSG really should win this game handily. If they don't, we may have to start at least, you know, maybe dissecting this team a little bit more. But yeah, I I think we, we can focus on the negatives. I think we have, but I think, if you want to look at the positives of that game, I think the two that I, I would focus on and tell me if you have any others you, you want to zero in on, I think Lionel Messi by the end of that game was doing Lionel Messi kind of stuff. Like he hit the post on a, I think this was maybe in the first half, but Messi had a nice curling shot from outside the box. He hit the, he hit the post on one, um, he was driving through this, driving into the 18 pretty well. Him and Neymar were starting to connect. Like you felt there was a rhythm starting to develop there with Messi. It felt like he was starting to get back into um, Messi mode. And it's going to take him a little bit, probably not too long since he's the best player of his generation. But, you know, it takes him a little bit to figure things out. But I think him being the central focus of the offense late in that game was uh, it helped. And it gave them, you know, it's like he is. He's like, he can single-handedly create offense. He can single, and Neymar can't even really do that to Messi's level because Messi's just can play so centrally and he's much lower to the ground. So he's able to sort of play through those tackles in a way Neymar doesn't, you know, can, but doesn't always. And um, yeah, I, I think he looked better. And the second uh, aspect I think that was positive was once Nuno Mendes came in that game, he was, he looked like a real, like, he like he's like he 19 belonged. years old. He looked good. 
Like he was pressing well. He was winning the ball back. He was fast. He was making up ground defensively. Like it taking, you know, Diallo has done an admirable job playing a position that he doesn't actually play, but having an actual left back slash, you know, winger there is, it just makes such a difference. And once Nuno came in the game, PSG looked so much better. Yeah, I agree. Um, Nuno, he, for being that young, um, only being in the squad for a handful of days, um, the lights were not too bright for him, especially coming in a tough spot like that. He didn't shy away. He he stepped on the field and kind of he had that attitude where he's just kind of like, this is what I do. Um, this is why I'm here, and I'm going to do the things um, that they brought me here for. And I think he did a really good job. So I, I am really excited to see what he what he ends up growing into. Hopefully we can keep him for uh, much longer than 19. We can get him whenever – hopefully we can hold on to him to whatever his prime is going to be um, because he looked, he looked that good. Um, yeah. And I agree with you with Messi too um, – Messi, I saw Messi in the box actually, you know, trying to get balls played to him. Sometimes they just didn't get there, but it looked like he was finally comfortable with with the uh, the things going on around him. I think everybody else is a little bit more comfortable about how his playing style is. And I kind of thought maybe for a minute that he was going to save us in the sense that if we could just get him a few more shots, one of them was just going to find its way in. Um, yeah. especially well, after seeing that yeah. one that he clanked off the, off the, off the bar. I mean, if, if, if football matches were 120 minutes, I'm pretty sure we would have gotten a couple messy goals out mm-hmm. of that eventually, but you know, it's, it, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a 120 minute game. It's a 90 minute game. But the other interesting thing I thought was that, you know, once you got into crunch time, Neymar went to the left, like once they, once Mbappe went out and they started running offense through Messi. It was Messi in the middle and it was Neymar on the left. And it's, you know, it's pretty obvious that, you know, it's, it is going to run through Messi. I don't think it's going to be, you know, I don't think Neymar is interested in taking over in the central role when he has Messi that can do that for him. I think he knows sort of the way that those two work well together and, I, like if people are thinking that there was going to be some sort of like power struggle amongst the three of them of who was going to play where and who was going to get the ball when it mattered, like Messi got the ball in the last 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. It was Messi's offense and Neymar was on the outside helping him out. And that's, you know, and that's probably what it's going to look like in, in most of these games. And I just think it was interesting that that question sort of got answered so quickly. I think, there's no ego here. I think Neymar. No, they're here to win happy. ball games. Yeah, they're here to win ball games, and they and I think they said the right things at the end of the game. I think they knew that they didn't have their best game. You know, they're playing what their C game maybe, and they they barely at times it looked like they were shaking a little defensively. But you know, I I keep saying this, but I'm not really I'm not really panicked. Like there's there's 
so much of a the ceiling is so high and the floor is really so is not that low. Meaning, you know, they're gonna you know they're gonna play better. I think they're gonna look pretty good whether they beat City or not. I think they're gonna look good. Um, I, I don't think uh, RB Leipzig is. They gave up six goals against City. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're gonna be much of a threat. Um, yeah, and they put a lot of goals on City too. Yeah, but the, it, it you know some of that was at the end of the game and it didn't matter all that much. But you, you know, it's still. I, I think PSG will will be fine. Again, we're recording this before Lyon, so we'll see how how much they uh, how much they improve. I think you'll see some improvement. But um, yeah, anything else you you took from that from that match? Um, not particularly. I just I hope they. Um, learn from this in the sense of like, you know, we can't. And I mean, that goes for everybody, players, management, whatever. Um, That is not going to be a cakewalk just because we got all these stars in here now. doesn't mean that we can just show up, walk on the pitch and everybody's just going to play passively and let us try to poke at the net for 90 minutes. Um, you know, a lot of managers, I think, are going to actually try to try to take the fight um, to PSG now, and uh, we, we had to be we have to be prepared for that. Yeah, um, I think that's a really I think that's a really good point because, yeah, I, and they should I think as players know that that they're not just going to, you know, walk into a game and and beat the other team five nil. I, I just I think people it's you see it in league on too like. These these managers and these teams who, you know, in the past might have laid down for PSG after, you know, PSG will score a goal in the first 10 minutes and they'll go away and run, you know, PSG will score four goals, run and hide and win. I think they just realize, hey, let's go after them. Let's see what happens. Let's mm-hmm. let's play physical. Let's play strong. Let's, you know, let's try to turn them over. Let's try to make them sweat a little bit. And that's really that's really you see that over the last couple of years and it's gotten to that point where i think PSG have to know that and if you're looking for something to sort of be frustrated about i think they probably should have realized that Brugge was gonna come out and be aggressive and i don't think they thought that i think they they mm-hmm. sort of came into that game thinking that they were going to control it and that Brugge were going to seed the high ground and Brugge did no such thing and well, I, and it got and it got to a point where it did look like, and you said it before, if you've never seen the two teams play, if you've just, you know, if you've never watched soccer before, or never even you never didn't know who any of these people were, you would think Brugge were the better team for most of that game. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a um indication that I think PSG came in tactically weren't great. They I, I think that's fix as I said, that's fixable. But they are going to have to prove it. They're going to all this great talent that they've signed. These the Sergio Ramoses, the Wijnaldums, the Hakimis, the Messis. You know they have the they had the ceremonies. They had the cool, you know, they had the cool videos introducing them to the fans, and you get all the buzz. But yeah, at the end of the day, you have to put on your cleats and play football. And if this game sort of is a nice reminder to PSG that they're going to have to put on their cleats and play football 
and they're going to have to get into these kind of games with every team that they play because every team, it's a cliche, but this is every team's Champions League final. You know, that was out in front of their home fans. They're never going to have, Bruges probably not going to have a situation like this again. And they were hyped for it and they were excited and their fans were excited. And you're, you're the person that you're the team that everyone's trying to, trying to knock down. You're the team that everyone's trying to beat and trying to, you know, have their lifetime moment against. And you should I mean, have you can to tell once, once they got, once they got hope. Yeah. Once they had just an, even a little bit of inkling that they could, they could win that game. It, I mean, you could see it in the fans. You, I mean, even just watching TV, yeah. you could tell that momentum shifted and that they weren't, they weren't going to lay down, uh, especially 60, 70 minutes in. And that's, and that's the, the responsibility that PSG have as a, as a super, super team, which is you're going to take every team's best game and you have to embrace that. Like you can't run from that. There's no, there's no hiding from that. It's going to be the burden that PSG play with the whole year. They're going to have to take every team's best shot and they're going to have to, they're going to have to be close to the top of their game most of the time. And there's going to be no days off and there's going to be no easy wins. You know what I'm saying? There's no easy wins. You have to make it an easy win. You have to go out there and beat the other team. That's how you make it an easy win. You go out there and you do the work and you go up by um, and you go up by three goals and you suffocate the other team and you take away their hope. That's how you do it. They're not just going to, you know, lay down for you when you, you know, get to the field. Like they're not going to, they're not going to, you know, hand Messi and, and, and Mbappe bouquets of roses before the match. They want to win. They want to make their name against you. Mm-hmm. So if this is, as I said, if uh, I was starting to say this, if this is a, um, a good sort of uh, reminder warning to PSG and they heed the warning and they start, you know, and they start sort of getting on that roll, then we'll sort of forget that this game ever happened. But if, you know, they lose to City and they don't look very good and you start getting a little worried, then it starts to build. Then the pressure really starts to get on this team. And I think they would respond well to it, knowing the people involved, but you never know. At some point you run out of time. At some point you lose too many, you know, you lose one too many games. So um, looking ahead a little bit, um, well, this game, this is being recorded about an hour before PSGOL. So we're not going to really make any, we can kind of make a prediction. I mean, this will come out after, so it won't exactly be very meaningful, but um, here's, here's what we'll do. We'll say, I think they're going to beat Leon. I think they're at home. I think they're going to come out strong. I think they're going to, um, I think Messi's going to get his first goal for PSG tonight. The real question is what is it going to look like in two weeks when PSG are playing Manchester city? Do they, they're going to play them at home in front of what should be a pretty hot crowd. It's Parc de Prance. It'll definitely be a pretty hot crowd. Um, what do you think that game looks like? It's, oh, it's early, but what do you think that game looks like? Yeah, I, I mean, if you're asking me today, I don't, I don't have the confidence right now to say that that they win it. Um, I do think they look 
way better than they did with, with Brug. I think that um, even for PSG, I think they look at the, the Man City game and are getting up for that themselves. I think that's one that they have circled on their, uh, on their calendar. So I think if we do win, it'll be close in the sense of, you know, I don't know, 3-2, 2-1 kind of deal. Um, otherwise, I think we, we've got to get out of there with the draw, um, which isn't great at home. But if, if, if that's it, so be it. So I'm, I'm just I'm going to be confident. I think we, I think we win this one um, coming up 3-2 against Man City at home. Um, I think that we will kind of have, have figured it out. I think that home crowd is going to, to help us out uh, quite a bit. And I think on the return leg, that might be where we struggle a little bit. But that is dependent on whether or not we can actually have Marco Verratti back. Yeah. If we don't have Marco Verratti back, then I will downgrade my prediction to a draw. Yeah, I, I think he should be back. I, they said 10 days of care, whatever the hell that means. But he just – I think this is a – PSG have to realize that they sort of got, um, they sort of got embarrassed. I think in that semifinal a little bit. I think they they looked like a team that couldn't hang with City's skill, and that I think that has to to eat at them, or at least it should eat at them that they looked that sort of, in, I mean, you saw the two red cards they got. I mean, Angel Di Maria right. is missing the first three games of the of the Champions League group stage for a reason because, he, you know, he got he got frustrated. They couldn't get the ball back, and he fouled somebody. And, you know, having two straight reds in two games against City is not a good indication that you're able to sort of match them, uh, match them skill-wise. Now, having Messi helps that. Having Hakimi and Nuno Mendes as opposed to Colin Dagba and Abdou Diallo or Levin Kurzawa helps that. They're a better sure. team sure. than they were five, whatever months ago, four or five months ago. They're a better team. They have better players. And if Mbappe should be healthy, he's in the squad today. So I'm, I'm guessing they're going to try to rest him the whole game if they can. You know, only play him if they have to. And I think you'll see a better version of PSG. I think they're going to be up for it. I think they're, they're going to want to prove that they're in the same league as City. And I think they should be in the same league as City if they are able to implement the kind of style they want to play. Hard to make a prediction. I think they win the game too. I think this is one of those situations where um, P, you know, PSG win the games they're not supposed to win and then you know, draw the games they're supposed, you know, draw the games they're supposed to win, win the games they're not supposed to. And then hope um, that uh, Di Maria bails them out one time. You know, they, again, no Di Maria. Well, yeah, I, I mean, later on, we're actually trying to, yeah. we got the, uh, we need one point to, to make sure that we're in it. And, and Di Maria, yeah. I, though that was a couple years ago against Napoli. He did that, mm -hmm. which was one of the, one of the best, that, that goal they don't uh, – I'm trying to remember what year – that was the year they were in the group with Liverpool. And they uh, – yeah, that was the year they were in the group with Liverpool, I think. So, 
that was that was one of his great. You know, we could get into criminally underrated Angel Di Maria as a PSG player. Criminally underrated. Um, expect you know takes his role, accepts it, um, plays plays well in clutch situations. So it's going to be. It's again, we're not in we're not in the meat of the season yet. We're not in the critical moments, but I. I I think PSG have sort of played themselves into a situation where they don't have to win these games, but they have to start proving, you know, yeah. this is a team to be reckoned with now. They, they have, have to yeah, start, they have to look competitive. They got to start proving it. And that, that Bruegel draw was emotionally a loss. Yeah. You, I mean, you almost had a 40 and slip there. It's, it's not, a, but it's what I'm saying. It's emotionally, it's a loss, but it's not a loss mm-hmm. on the scoreboard, which is the important thing. Right. So hopefully today's a get right game. Um, James, uh, how can the people find you on the, on the, uh, I'm not going to say on the, on, I'm not going to say on the Twitter, but because that <laughs> I'm not that old, but you know, how can they find you on social media? Yep. You can find me at Bama J 13 on Twitter. Um, and if you're in our discord, which you should, um, find a link at, at, uh, PSG talk on Twitter. I'm sure he's tweeted it out a couple of times. Um, you'll see me in there. I'm, I'm Teague on the discord. Um, banning all of your messages and doing and, all the and that was that, something that you that was that was your idea. Yeah, I, I had the, this idea. Your idea was to open ago. the Discord up because originally it was just something that us uh, PSG Talk contributors um, were doing for our you know for our inter office communications, for lack of a better term. Yep. But you know, you you sort of had the idea to open it up to the general uh, population and our fans, so. Um, I know you're on a kind of a hard deadline here, but just kind of go through the thought of that and how that's going. Cause you're on there more than I am. So, yeah, no, it, it's going great. So, you know, a long time ago, once we had moved over from Slack over into discord, um, I had thought, you know, I try to be active in the Reddit and it's much harder to be active in the Reddit because things pass you by conversations happened hours ago and there's, you know, you're just responding to comments whenever, um, so I thought for us and our fans to kind of interact with each other, especially when we're doing things like this, um, we can get a pulse for what you guys are thinking by actually just interacting with you um, in real time in the Discord. Um, so I talked to Ed. He finally decided that it was a good idea to do so. And uh, we set it up. I think we have about 250 people in. Um, the goal is 500. So if you are listening to this and you are not yet in the discord and you'd like to chat it up with us, um, like Mark said, he's, uh, he's not as active, but if you, you like talking to Ty, Ty's in there all the time. Um, I'm in there and Ed is always in there giving his hot takes too. So, um, yeah. And I, and I, I'll go in once in a while when I, when I feel like it's productive, but, um, yeah, no, that, I, I think that's pretty cool that we have a, a community, if you, we want to use the yeah. term, a community, you know, because for a long time, it was just sort of the contributors sort of putting the stuff out there and maybe you hear, maybe you heard it, maybe you don't, maybe you didn't, you know, but get getting the real time constructive uh, feedback is really helpful. It, it just really is like. It does. It it, it makes here better and easier to do when we when we have when we have that interaction with the people that listen to it. So, 
if you want to tweet at me, you can find me at Mark Damon nine. Um, uh, again, try to not be as on, on that as much as I, as I, as I was because, you know, mental health and all, it's better to, you know, it's better to not be in a constant feedback machine all the time. But um, yeah, that's where I post my, my thoughts, hot takes, etc. And um, you can follow Ed at PSG talk. That's the main, uh, that's the main uh, Twitter feed. So if you want to know about the, if you want to know about the things that are going on, who's doing a show, who's writing an article, any of that, that's where you go. And um, yeah, I think that's it for today. Um, Thank you for joining us. And um, James, do you have any final words? Nope. Well, APSG. Au revoir for now. <laughs>